You're listening to a North Valley Community Church podcast. For more information and resources, visit us online at northvalleychurch.org. All right. Well, good morning. Great to be with you guys. My name's Ryan. I serve as the lead pastor here at the church. Um, We're getting ready for our grand opening, so make sure that you're here on September 10th. If you haven't yet been baptized, that's the time to do it. Uh, It's going to be an incredible time uh, for us together to do that. You can sign up online and do that. Um, This morning, I want to talk to you about courage. I want to talk to you about keeping courage in the midst of a crisis. Uh, Webster's Dictionary does a pretty good job on defining it. It's like this courage is a mental or moral strength to venture, persevere, and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. The reality is, is that a lot of us overestimate our courageous acts a lot of times and find ourselves kind of with some misguided courage. Sometimes it takes years to look back over your life and realize, excuse me, that wasn't so smart. When I was a teenager, I loved pushing the limits. I was an extreme sports kind of guy. I rode dirt bikes. Uh, I loved uh, big, fast four-wheelers. I drove a big, jacked-up truck, four-wheel drive. It was fun, you know, and there really, to me, there wasn't like a mountain I couldn't climb. There wasn't a, uh, there wasn't any kind of mud hole my truck wouldn't go through. Like uh, my dad nicknamed me Demolition Man uh, because we tore up trucks all the way through. And so he obviously would just give me an old truck and then have me fix it up and uh, put a ton of money into it. And then just to tear it up is what it seemed like. But I thought I could do everything. And uh, one night, my friend and I were invited to meet up with some friends, and the problem was that we were running out of time. And the quickest way to get there would have been a shortcut. So I told my buddy, Sam, I said, hey, we can make a shortcut, but we're going to have to cross through some creeks, some big hills, and all that. Are you up for it? And he said, absolutely. We were driving a 1984 jacked-up K5 Jimmy. It was 35-inch tires, 4-inch lift, had a super uh, revved-up 350 engine in it. And we called her the Heavy Chevy for short. And uh, she was bad to the bone, mean and lean. She was a a mud-slinging machine for sure. It was a sweet truck. And uh, in high school, you know, when you got something sweet like that, you just like, it's just awesome. It was a chick magnet back in the day. And uh, in fact, I had a sweet jacked up truck just like that when I first met Leslie. She didn't think it was as sweet as I thought it was, but she liked it, you know. You could take the top off. It was awesome. So we were supposed to meet our friends, and so we had to cross this creek, and I jumped out, and I surveyed the creek, and the problem was is that there had been rainstorms all throughout uh, the area the weeks before. This wasn't a little creek anymore. It was a raging little river. And I jumped back in the truck, and I told my buddy, I said, hey, it's pretty deep. It's moving pretty quick. And he slapped the dash and goes, Ryan, the heavy Chevy can make it through anything. So I said, okay, and I started to roll down my window, and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm making an escape route. (laughs) And he said, oh, come on. So as we kind of edged up to the creek bank, uh, it was overflowing the creek banks. It didn't take long. He just gunned it, and we just found ourselves in the middle of this creek that was now a river, and literally, we just started bobbing downstream like a hundred yards. And finally, we hit a big boulder, truck stop, and we're thankful that we stopped. And then water's just rushing in over the hood, into the vents, filling up in the truck. 
So we get out, get on top of the truck, and we make a jump for it and swim across this river, and we finally make it. We thought we were pretty courageous. I know what you're thinking. You might be thinking, Ryan, that's not courage. That's just dumb. That's what that is. Well, you're right, but I'm not alone. Every time we turn on the TV and we get a monsoon here in the valley, what do you see? You see those same kind of people saying things, and they're not saying this, but I think they're thinking them, themselves to this, the heavy Chevy can make it through anything. And they hit that monsoon, that big wash, and it's flooded. And the funny thing is, though, if you look closely on the TV, they're not driving a heavy Chevy. They got like a little Prius. <laughs> and you're thinking to yourself, you fool, what are you thinking? Now that's dumb. That's dumb. This morning, I want to talk to you about uh, misguided courage. A lot of times in life, we think that we got it and we don't. Um, I've redefined courage like this from a Christian perspective. If courage is not the absence of fear, but it's the presence of courageous faith. It's okay to be afraid. Some of you are in a bad situation and it's okay to be afraid. But God calls you to live a life of courageous faith. This morning, as we look at examples of courage, let me refresh your memory of what good courage looks like in American history. Winston Churchill in 1940, uh, Britain stood alone against Nazi Germany. Some in Britain wanted to seek to deal with Hitler, but Churchill wanted to fight. And he inspired a generation through their darkest hour. Martin Luther King was courageous to fight as well against the racial discrimination of his day. Martin Luther King passionately supported the civil rights movement despite the opposition and discrimination in parts of America. That's courage. Rosa Parks was courageous when she refused to give up her seat on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama and started a mass protest which led to the end of segregation on the public transport system. That's courage. Courage is this not the absence of fear, but it's the presence of courageous faith. Some of you are in a position in life right now where fear is gripping you. You're incredibly anxious. And anxiety and stress can exhaust you and render you impotent physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And you've got to figure out how to manage through the chaos, through the crisis, through the tumultuous time, through your trial, whatever it may be. And we have a great example in the life of Daniel. Daniel's in Babylon. Babylon's a bad place to say the least. He's being ruled. He'd been, and this book takes place in the 6th century before the birth of Jesus. Daniel was kidnapped from Israel. To say the least, he's going through a hard time. He was, but yet somehow in his time in Babylon, he's now in the most powerful empire of the world, under the most uh, brutal dictator of the world, King Nebuchadnezzar the most powerful man on the planet. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar had gone into Israel and took, taken captive thousands and thousands of young men and women to Babylon. What we're going to see is that God's amazing grace doesn't enable Daniel simply to survive the bad times, but to thrive in the midst of it. Daniel has this courageous faith through it all. Daniel is going to be utilized by the king to be like an, a, a political advisor, if you will. 
Every king has an advisor, every president has an advisor, and what we're going to see in this introduction of the bad news in Babylon is that there's a dream, and it's a disturbing dream. It comes to Nebuchadnezzar early on in his reign. Turn with me in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2, verse 1. It says, in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. Let's stop right there. Lots of dreams. Not one dream, lots of dreams. You ever had a reoccurring nightmare? A reoccurring dream that just somehow never leaves you alone? I, I, because I went to seminary, worked on two master's degrees, there's this reoccurring dream that still hits me today. I wake up and I'm going to class and I forgot to study and I got to take the exam. I'm almost 40 years old and I still have that dream. It troubles me. I have a dream sometimes that I get up and I'm before you and I forgot my Bible at home. Troubled. Nebuchadnezzar is troubled. His spirit was troubled and his sleep left him. You ever been an insomniac or struggled with sleep? A lot of times it's anxiety and stress. Stress and anxiety will wear you out physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. This dream was important to him because back in this day, dreams were cataloged like almost like giving predictions for the future. They were like case studies to help understand what happened in the past, what could happen in the future. Recently, I went downtown Phoenix and I visited our attorney and I said to him, what are all these files for? And he says, those are case studies of each and every incident that happened in American history that I could get my hands on. So anytime an incident happens, I consult the law, but then I consult the example. Dreams were like this. And Nebuchadnezzar has some bad news. He doesn't understand his dream. He actually can't even remember his dream. Look at verse 2. Then the king commanded that the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans be summoned to tell the king his dreams. He forgot. So they came in and stood before the king. Verse 3. And the king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. You ever been there, woken up in the morning, and you're like, I had a dream, but I just can't remember exactly what it was, but I know that it bothered me. It's exactly what's happening here. Verse 4, then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell your servants a dream, and we'll show you the interpretation. These are supposed to be the wisest, the smartest, the brightest, the most intellectually gifted-minded uh, political advisors in Babylon. And they're saying, I, you got to at least give us something to work with. We don't even have a dream to work with. And you want to know the interpretation? There's a dilemma. Verse 5, the king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the word is firm from me. From me is firm. If you do not make, make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you shall be torn limb from limb and your houses shall be laid in ruins. He like turns into the Hulk in just a moment. Doing the Hulk, he's about to do the Hulk smash on these guys. In some translation, it says your house will be reduced to like a hill, like a dung, dung hill. He's going to wipe them out. This king is bad. One of his, the events that he did in his lifetime was he went to one of the kings of Judah and he was going to kill him. And before he decided to kill him, he decided to bring all the king's sons into the room and said, look at your dad. And then he murders the king in front of the sons, and then goes out and gouges out the eyes of all his son, all the son, king's sons, so that they would have in their mind the last sight they ever saw was a brutal king killing their dad. 
So this is a real historical figure, Nebuchadnezzar. He's leading a brutal empire called the Babylonian Empire. He's the most powerful king on the planet Earth at this time. And he's deeply troubled. There's a dilemma. He had a dream. He forgot it. He's going to his, his council. They, won't, they don't know how to help him because they don't even have a dream to work with. Verse 6. But if you show the dream and its interpretation, you'll receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. In other words, I'll be a nice guy. I won't tear you to pieces. Therefore, show me the dream and its interpretation. They answered verse 7. They answered a second time. Like, this king doesn't get it. They don't understand it. They can't help him. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we'll show you the, its interpretation. And they're saying, you got to give us something to work with. We don't even have a dream to work with. Verse 8, then the king answered and said, I know with certainty that you're trying to gain time. Notice that. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. He's skeptical, cynical. They want more time. He's saying there is no more time. This is what you're paid for. This is what you do. You can't do your job. What are you, a fake, a phony? He's a little cynical, a little skeptical, rightfully so. He says, because you see that the word is from me is firm, if you do not make the dream known to me, there is but one sentence for you. You've agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me till the times change. Therefore, tell me the dream, and, I'll show, I'll sh uh, and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. There's a deficiency, an obvious deficiency in the king's council. The Chaldeans, verse 10, the Chaldeans answered, those are the Babylonians, uh, the, the Chaldeans answered the king and said, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or Chaldean. So they're frustrated. They're like, your requests are not even logical. You can't, you can't do this. That doesn't help the king's response. Verse 11. The thing that the king asks is difficult and no one can show it to the king except the gods. They're going to consult the gods maybe. This is a polytheistic, a paganistic uh, culture in Babylon. They would uh, worship the sun god, the moon god. They would erect statues and have everybody bow down and worship these statues. These are demonic forces of evil. And they say, maybe except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. Verse 12 and 13. Because of this, the king was what? Angry and very furious and commanded all the wise men of Babylon. That would have been Babylon proper, not the entire empire. Be destroyed. Verse 13. So the decree went out and the wise men were about to be killed. And they sought Daniel and his companions to kill them. If there were sound effects, maybe when they say they sought Daniel, it might be like a, a horn, a trumpet going through the empire. Doo, doo, doo. Here comes Daniel. Daniel is a guy who stands out among all others, and there's a crisis in the land. There's a massive crisis. What is a crisis? A crisis is a time of intense difficulty, trouble, or danger. There's a crisis. The types of crisis we see in the media today are political crisis, economic crisis, cultural crisis. There's all sorts of crises going on. Keeps people stressed out, freaked out. Politically, we see crisis in our country. Economic crisis. Arizona is just now recovering from an economic crisis where we had a massive recession. 
we purchased this property as a result of that crisis. Many of you, you your homes went, uh, you lost your homes and you're rebuilding. Many of you, uh, like many other Americans in our country, have suffered through the economic crisis and you're at a point now where you're just starting to get your feet back on the ground. Culturally, we see a crisis. There's a crisis with morality. What is morality? How is it defined? Where's our authority? There's a crisis of freedom. Everybody wants more and more freedom. And it looks like more and more bondage and slavery to me as we seek to protect all our personal rights and freedoms. There's a crisis of faith in the church, in the school, in the state. There's a crisis in racial division. Doesn't take much just to look at the newspaper and see the crisis that we're facing. That's a crisis. Daniel's in the midst of an incredible crisis. You say, well, I don't know. I'm kind of hanging in there through this crisis I see politically or economically or culturally. We don't feel that as much, Ryan. But what about the personal crisis? Some of you are going through a midlife crisis. Some of you are going through a late life crisis. Some of you are going through a financial crisis. Some of you are going through a marital crisis. Things are coming unglued. And you're wondering how in the world you're going to make it through. Daniel gives us an incredible picture and paradigm to follow for navigating through crisis. Keeping courage in the midst of a crisis. There's eight essentials for keeping courage in the midst of the crisis. Either that you're in right now or the crisis you will go through. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. You're not in trouble now, you'll be in trouble later. But God gives us a great paradigm, a person really that foreshadows the work and the person of Jesus Christ himself, navigating through a dark and challenging circumstances. First thing that we need in essentials to keeping courage in the midst of a crisis is that you and I need to keep composure. That means keeping cool in the midst of a crazy storm. Some of you freak out so fast, you're the chicken littles. The sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. And it freaks everybody out. Find a few good people to vent to before you go public. Get on Facebook. Air it out there first. Don't do that. You just escalate people's fears. Daniel keeps composure. Check this out. Then Daniel replied with prudence and discretion. He's a level-headed guy. See, Arioch, the captain of the king's guard who'd gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon, Daniel's one of those people. He knows his life's at risk. Look what he says to Arioch, the, ca the king's captain. Verse 15, he declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? I mean, he's cool. Like, he asked a good question. Like, tell me what's going on, Arioch. You been with Nebuchadnezzar? Old Nebi lately? You been with Nebi? Is he freaked out? Why is this so urgent? Arioch, look what he does. Arioch made the matter known to Daniel. Daniel's prudent. He knows the right people to talk to. Do you know the right people to talk to when something's going wrong? Or do you just air it out on social media? I mean, seriously, that, that's really interesting to me. I, I, see, I got off Facebook back in April just to take, a, I call it a fast from Facebook. But I see my friends putting big questions in life of their troubles, and they're just letting everybody respond to it. 
you need a, a godly counsel. We're going to see that with, with Daniel. He's going to ask the right questions, go to the right people, rightly assess the problem. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain, why is the decree of the king so urgent? And Arioch made known the matter to Daniel. Daniel's got a level of just cool factor to him. For whatever reason, uh, God has chosen to work through the life of Daniel. Gives him supernatural wisdom, grace, and confidence to kind of navigate through. I think it's a foreshadowing of the person and the work of Jesus Christ ultimately. But it's a lesson learned for all of us. Whatever we're going through, God can help us in the midst of it. Number two, you need to be confident. Not a confidence in yourself, but a confidence in God. Daniel's incredibly confident. Look at this. And Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a, what? Time. Didn't the king just freak out and get mad with all the other advisors and says, hey, you're just trying to buy time. I'm not going to fall for that. But Daniel walks in with a level of confidence because his confidence isn't in his circumstances. His confidence is in his calling of knowing that God had placed him in the midst of this place, this trouble, this tragedy. And he's going to speak to it. Some of you need to be confident. Hashtag like a boss is what you need to be. If you're on social media, tweet that. God gives you the power and a confidence to really manage through this stuff. Number three, Daniel's courage in the crisis. He, he's going to get godly counsel. Oh man, this is what you need more than anything. You need godly counsel in your life to help you navigate through. The voices of the world and the voice of the enemy will destroy you. Please don't go alone. The crisis that you're going through is not intended for you to go alone. And some of you, you, you think you're a superman and you're really not. You think you're Wonder Woman, you're really not. You've got a Wonder God and you've got a Super God. That's who you are. And you rely on them. You be confident not in yourself. You be confident in what God's done you done doing in your life. And realize that a godly counsel is the one that's going to help you do things right. So look at Daniel. He's got a godly counsel. Then Daniel went to the house and made the matter known. He's going to air it out to Hananiah, Michelle, Azariah, his companions, and told them, hey, let's seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. This is a dilemma. So that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Daniel's going to get some godly counsel. He, these are youth at North Valley. We're creating godly counsel for our youth. Right after grand opening, we're kickstarting for the first time North Valley student ministry uh, for our younger generation. But here's the deal for all of you. You all need godly counsel. You can't uh, rely on ungodly counsel. Let me give you some examples of ungodly counsel. Fortune tellers, crystal gazers, mediums, channelers, spiritualists, telepathics, mind readers, palm readers, psychics, and spirit guides. That's ungodly counsel. You go to that stuff, you're going to find yourself empty, impotent. Your voice will be deaf to God because you're flirting with evil. Empty practices such as horoscopes, crystals, getting power from a vortex in Sedona. Or, or comically, placing your hope in a fortune cookie. It's funny, the origin of fortune cookies has been unclear, but through a little bit of research, you'll find out that it was actually immigrant groups in California 
that came up with it. The land of fruits and nuts. Let me ask you a question. Where are you getting your counsel from? Daniel goes to his godly friends. You need a friend. Amen? Please be a friend to others at North Valley. Realize that it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to go through a hard time. It's okay your marriage isn't working out the way you hoped it would. It's okay that you're frustrated as a single. You can't find the spouse or the person you the dream, the person of your dreams. It's okay as a high school student to be frustrated and angry. You people, the world just doesn't understand you. It's okay. But do me a favor for your sake and for God's glory. Just don't do this alone. Daniel understands that, and then through this, his friends are going to help him to give commendation. Verse 19, then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night, and then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel loves the Lord. I like Daniel. He knows that his power and his strength, he's going to give praise to God. God revealed it to him. God showed him what he needed to know. God's going to use Daniel to turn around King Nebuchadnezzar's freakish uh, tyranny. And here Daniel is going to continue to show us a great model for prayer. Verse 21, 20 and 21, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons and He removes kings and sets up kings and gives wisdom and to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Some of you are frustrated with God in your situation and you just don't understand that there's a time for everything. There's a season for everything. God will remove kings and set up kings and He will give wisdom. Some of you are frustrated the time or the season that you're in and you've got to realize your time is coming. The season will change. This too shall pass. Whatever you're going through, God wants to help you through. Look what happens. Daniel says this in verse 22. He says, He, that is God, God reveals the deep and the hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with Him. To you, God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and might and have, have, have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. Daniel has great... Uh, communication with God. Like direct, he's like, God's revealing himself to him in a powerful way. He prays and God answers. It's like, uh, you know, at my house for some reason, I don't know why, you know, like I'm AT&T. I don't know if you guys get better cell service than I do, but I don't get the greatest cell service. Like I have to run out of my house and sit on my little front porch rocking chair to talk to people. And at 115, that's annoying, you know, so I can't get signal all the time. Some of you, when it comes to your prayer life, you're frustrated with God because you're like, God, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? Can you, can you hear me? And I'd like to advocate, maybe it's because you're not in the right place. You're so disconnected from godly counsel. You, you, you don't even... You, your enemies that are robbing you from hearing God's voice are literally, please hear me on this, it's just busyness. You just, you're too busy. You don't spend time in the council of the king. You're, you're preoccupied with busyness and you're frantic in your pace and God's saying like, hey, 
Listen, I do speak. I will lead you. But would you slow down and listen to me? Or maybe it's just the noise. You're just always around noise. You pray and you turn it on. You got the TV going. You got the radio going. It's just noise. And then you, you're like enamored with social media and you're like addicted to it. Technology is robbing you of the clarity and the peace that God wants to offer to you. And you say to me, I can't hear God. He's not speaking to me. Well, I'd say, I, maybe you ought to move. Maybe your signal's in the wrong spot. Maybe you ought to realize that He actually really does care about you and He really wants to help you through this. But you've got to place yourself in a good environment. A church is a great place where it's like, you get turbo-boosted signal. You spend time with godly people, that really helps you out. Spending time in God's Word and prayer. Not just talking to God, but listening to God. God, what do you want from me today? God, how do you want to use me? God, how do I make it through this time? Quiet. Listen. You hear what I'm saying? Like, do you do that? Do you, do you really do that? Let it hang. Just speak to God. Say, hey God, I, I need you to speak to me about this issue I'm going through. Would you reveal that to me? And then when you get this impression upon your heart and your mind... Think about it. Go to the Word. If it's in line with the Word, that's from the Lord. Amen? I just want to help you connect with God. As a result, you're going to grow in your compassion and love for people. Check this out. Daniel's going to show compassion. Verse 24, Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon, and he went and said thus to him, Level-headed, Cool guy. Very clear. These are his enemies. These are false. These are fakes. These are phony counselors. And he says, hey, listen. Don't destroy the wise men of Babylon. What? They're, they're nothing like you. You love God, Yahweh. You're monotheistic. One God. They're polytheistic. Lots of gods. You, you want to speak up for them? Look what he says. Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king and I'll show you the king, the interpretation. I think God shows us a picture of Daniel. Two reasons. One, is to foreshadow for the nation of Israel and for all believers for all times to see the beauty of who Jesus Christ is. Jesus, when He was at the cross and all His enemies were around Him, He cries out to the Father and says, Father, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Some of you need to show compassion to the haters that are in your life. They're hating, hating, hating. They're hurting, they're hurting, they're hurting you. You hate them, you're frustrated. You want to call them evil, I understand. You say they're fools, I get it. So what do you do? You can show them compassion. How do you do that? You need to understand that hurt people hurt people. Misguided people misguide people. Problematic people create more problems. Amen? Dramatic people create more drama. You there? You back up. You grab yourself a little bit of space called quiet time with God. And you deal with it there. You don't vent it on social media and try to get your counsel there. 
You go to the Lord and speak to Him about the matter. And through that, God always does this. You know it's good and great. When you're, you're seeking to do His greatest commands, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Some of your neighbors are frustrating. They're bothering you at work, in your circumstances. Daniel's going to show compassion. In the midst of your crisis, we need to show compassion to people. We need to be the bigger brother, the bigger sister. Verse 26, then the king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, are you able to make known to me the dream that I've seen and its interpretation? The king's like, nobody else can do this. You say you can do this. Come on. Are you serious? Can you do this, Daniel? Look what Daniel's going to do. Daniel's going to give credit to God. Daniel answered the king and says, hey, listen. He's kind of also sympathizing with the, uh, the uh, wise men. He says, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that, he, that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven, not on earth. Not a, not a God you can form and fashion like a statue. or It's not some mountain or some sun or some moon. No, there's a God in heaven. Daniel has a platform. He's an advisor to the king. And he will exemplify a courageous faith. Not an absence of fear, but a presence of courageous faith. Are you with me? He knows his life's on the line. You need to give credit to God. Whatever you're going through, the little help, the much help that you receive from God... Sometimes He gives you just enough to take the next step. You need to give credit to God. It's like unleashing more of God's grace and mercy and power and strength upon your life because God loves to work with humble people. He will withdraw His presence and His power from your life if you always try to take the credit. Because God's not into trying to make you a showcase, uh, 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 getting all the attention. God ultimately loves to glorify who He is so that more people will come to Him. The greatest things we can do as Christians is help people see the incredible life that God gives us. And it's a magnificent influence to the world around us. Daniel's going to take up this opportunity to give credit to God. Verse, verse 28, But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and He has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be done in the latter days. He's talking about the totality of human history. Nebuchadnezzar's like, say what? You're telling me I, I got a dream? I, I, I knew I had a troubling dream, but now he's afraid. He's listening. Daniel speaks up. He says, your dreams and the visions of your head as you lie in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. Meaning after his kingdom of Babylon. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. Verse 30. But as for me... He's clarifying. He's, he's going to give credit to God. This mystery has been revealed to me not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. God graciously is going to work through a pagan empire and king. He's going to use Daniel, which later he will serve a period of almost 70 years in Babylon. 
nearly 49,000 people that have been taken captive will return back to Jerusalem because God's using Daniel to be a prophetic voice to a pagan king. And the king sees this guy's got great value as a political advisor. I'm going to paraphrase for you and summarize for, for the sake of time, verses 31 through 36, Daniel interprets the dream. The essence of it is, is that every kingdom on earth will fall, that no kingdom will last forever except the kingdom of God. Daniel courageously communicates. Just like you and me, we need to courageously communicate. Even when things are incredibly difficult, we've got to speak the truth. Verse 37, this was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. Daniel's going to speak up. Daniel's going to reveal it's going to get worse before it's going to get better. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the might, and the glory, and into whose hands he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. In other words, he's saying, you've got the most powerful kingdom. I won't argue that. You've, you are the most powerful king on the planet of earth. You rule over everything. But watch this, verse 39. Courage. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you. And yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron. Because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. Verse 45, he closes out and he says, And a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation, sure. Daniel says, a great God. A God greater than King Cyrus. A God greater, greater than Alexander the Great. A God greater than the great Roman Empire. His kingdom will last forever. Every other kingdom will fall. Nebuchadnezzar knows his place. He's just a blip, a dot in the point of human history. Nothing lasts forever but the kingdom of God. You and I are part of an eternal kingdom. You're not just a citizen of the United States of America. You're an eternal citizen. You have a citizenship in heaven. We're getting through what we're going through. In heaven, I'm hoping there's a big North Valley section. We all get there. And I say, you made it. Great. So proud of you. We get eternity together. Verse 46, the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. Then the king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. He's excited. Look what he does with Daniel. He promotes him. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief uh, prefect over the wise men of Babylon. Daniel gets promoted. His blessing has come. Sometimes in the storyline of Daniel, you're still before the king and you hadn't seen the promotion happen. You hadn't seen the, the, the peace come. But you need to know that you are just called step by step to trust in Him. To courageously communicate. To rely upon an almighty God who gives courage. It's okay to be afraid, but it's not okay to, to relegate yourself to a life without courageous faith. 
Daniel's smart. He knows he's got a tumultuous season ahead of him. It's not going to get easy. It's just going to get harder. Last thing he's going to do is he's going to find godly co-workers. He's been promoted. Some of you are in a work environment that's stressful. It's wearing you out. You've got mean co-workers. You've got tough co-workers. You're in an environment that you feel is hostile against the Christian faith. Or people are rude to you on a regular basis. You've got to find those godly co-workers. Look what Daniel does. In the midst of a peacetime, he makes a strategic request. Daniel made a request of the king. And he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained in the king's court. Some of you are going to have to work a long time in a tough situation. But you can do this. You can go to godly counsel. You can surround yourself with the right kind of people. You can create that space in your life when you're in connection with your heavenly Father and speaking to Him. And letting Him speak back to you to make it through what you're going through. I'm going to pray for us. And uh, I want to have a special prayer just for all believers to have courage. So would you bow your head and pray with me. Heavenly Father, I thank You for my sisters and brothers in Christ. God, I pray that You give them the courage. A great courage that comes from You to make it through whatever they're going through. Whatever crisis they face or they sense they may face in the near future. Give them a great um, reliance. Give them the discipline to create that space in their life to hear from You. To rely upon Your Word. Would You reinvigorate their love for the Word of God? Their commitment to the gathering of believers and fellowship and worship. God, so that they can rely on godly counsel, not ungodly counsel. And for some of you, you're an unbeliever. You're separated from the high king of heaven. You don't know the prince of peace, Jesus Christ, and you need to start a relationship today, and you know that. If you're ready to do that, you can just pray with me something simple like this. Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I acknowledge that I am a sinner separated from the love of God. I receive your son Jesus Christ as the Prince of Peace in my life. I confess Jesus Christ is my King. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening. To become a supporter of North Valley Community Church, give online today at northvalleychurch.org.